The information presented is in no way to be considered as a standard of care, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. The information is provided with no guarantee. All content is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the providing of medical, legal, or regulatory advice. Hey everybody, welcome to this edition of Blue Crew Medicine. This is episode five. We're going to talk a little bit about today about entitled CO2. Uh, today I have with me Kevin King, one of our flight nurse, flight paramedics with Air Care, and Adam Phillips, who is one of our PEDS transport critical care paramedics. Uh, and again, I'm Will Appleby, again, one of the Air Care CCPs. So getting right into it, entitled CO2. CO2 is a byproduct of cellular metabolism from when cells take in oxygen and glucose, which is their fuel, and release water, CO2, and energy. As part of the respiratory cycle, it is eliminated from the lungs. Um, this indicates to indirectly the changes in CO2 production at the tissue level. So why this matters to us, it tells us a whole lot, right? It tells us about perfusion, tells us how well we're doing CPR, a couple other examples we'll get to here in a minute. But there's three main ways we see in EMS on how to uh, measure CO2. So you got colorimetric, which are the little fancy things we put on top. It's got a change in paper. Um, side stream, which is probably the most common we see all the time. Um, that's the ones you stick on the ET tube. Uh, the gas exchange literally takes up, hooks to your monitor, or you can use a nasal cannula. Um, they literally take a reading, a sample. It's aspirated through the monitor, through the cardiac monitor typically, or the device, and pulls the sample that way. Or there's mainstream. Mainstream's a little more expensive to have, which is why a lot, not a whole lot of EMS agencies have it. Um, but it takes an infrared sensor and looks at the particles themselves going through. Um, just depends on what monitor manufacturer you're dealing with and what they have. Um, so when would you use CO2? Kevin, what's the first one that comes to mind for you? One of the biggest things we use it for is to confirm the proper placement of an ET tube. So um, you intubate somebody, you put that sensor on there, and if you've got entitled CO2, especially in the normal levels, you know that your tube is in the trachea. It's uh, actually the gold standard. So that's something we'll print off and put on our chart because it's non, uh, you can't really argue that in a court. If you've got it, you've got it. There's a, you can have a pulse, false positive if you had almost like carbonation or something right. somebody down to two liter of pepsi right beforehand i guess you can do i've it. always heard that but i've never seen it i've, I've never seen it that's as what well. i always heard with the color metric is why i was always yeah go to the the end title just because the the, the waveform you can't argue against that yeah. numbers yes and no but waveform that is actually the respirations that you either you're providing or there which is a good point, Adam. So when you get entitled CO2, a color to metric is just a piece of paper. It just changes color. Mm -hmm. Typically, when we talk about capnography and entitled, we're talking about a waveform and a number. So both are very important. Both tell us two different things. Like you said, the waveform to me, you start breathing for somebody, it's, you can't fake it. There's no way in the world. Right. No. Um, numbers are a number. They should be trended. And every number means a little bit different thing, which leads us right down to perfusion and ROSC. So when we talk about... Um, entitled CO2, it's a direct correlation to cardiac output. Um, basically, they figured this out when CV surgery, they're doing a whole bunch of stuff on aortas. And the lower your cardiac output, the lower your entitled CO2. As your cardiac output increases, your entitled CO2 increases. So for those of you who like really good numbers, uh, entitled CO2 of 30 is equivalent to a cardiac output of about four liters a minute. A Cardiac output of about five is about 34, and they go up from there. 
Um, again, that's in a relatively normal heart, relatively normal vasculature. So depending on your patient you're dealing with, which a lot of times we're dealing with sick people, it may not be the same. Um, what do y'all see as far as ROS? Cause you, when you use entitle. So, so when I, when I've used it, the, one of the beauties of it is you can have your patient while you're working in arrest, you've got entitle and you want to have an entitle of greater than 12. If not, you need to get somebody else to do compressions cause they're getting wore out. I, I use it to gauge how effective their compressions are. Um, I can't remember what ACLS says, but I know it's, it's 12 or 12 is a good number. Um, but also I use it to where if you all of a sudden have an increase in your CO2, that tells me their perfusion has come back. So you have to have ventilation and perfusion to have a CO2. So if you have a sudden change and you, if you have a sudden change, either it increases or it decreases, something's changed with your patient's perfusion. So if it all of a sudden goes up, they have regained a pulse more than likely. If it goes down, they've lost a pulse. And that's how I use it a lot with CPR. Mm -hmm. And so I was always told like that anything over 20 is uh, perfusion that, that means that you have a heartbeat over, over 20. Um, Pretty much nine times out of ten, I think that's the case. Sometimes you may be perfusing everything and you have some kind of weird disease process of histotoxic hypoxia or something like that, but if you're doing, you got a entitled a 20, somebody's doing really good compressions, that means every compression you're really perfusing the lungs, you're perfusing the tissues, and you're getting that CO2 off. All that CO2 is doing is building up acidosis, right? So that's a bad way. So we're trying to get rid of every bit of it we can. Right. You're right, a big change, good or bad, is, is a good way to know whether or not and one, you've lost or gained. And one caveat I've seen is if somebody's got a chest compression device, whether it be the Lucas or another brand, a lot of times their CO2 will be a higher, it could be in the 20s. I've seen that several times. Mm -hmm. um, and, but if it stays consistently at that number, that's when you really look for the change to get up into the 30s or something yeah. of that nature because uh, those devices do a very good job circulating and sometimes we're talking about you look at somebody that's uh i call them cardiac cripples that may have a really bad ef on a bad day on a normal day i should say they may walk around with an entitle you put them on a cannula or something they might have an entitle of 18 or 20 that's just where they live right yeah. so remember all this stuff is patient dependent we're talking about normal levels in a normal 18 25 year old healthy adult but depends on your patient population also depends on your respiratory rate. So we use Entitle a whole lot also with uh, managing ICP. So we try to target a level, somebody's intubated, we fly a whole lot of head bleeds, whether traumatic or atraumatic, and we're trying to make sure their ICP stays level. One of the ways we do with that, if their uh, CO2 is really high, what it does is cause vaso vasodilation in their head. If it's really low, it's vasoconstriction. So there's a sweet spot in the middle you try to reach. Um, I usually tell everybody somewhere between 35 and 40 seems to be the magic number. Yep. Um, but trying to figure out, hey, what's right for this patient, what's right for somebody else, um, also makes a big difference. Yep. Right. Another way we can use uh, entitled CO2, you're talking about, hey, is it worth it, or hey, are we having a massive decrease? One big number is if their entitled is less than 10 on a blunt traumatic arrest, they're probably not going to make right. it. That's there's right. a huge traumatic, there's a huge mortality rate anyway with blunt traumatic arrest, but that's a good way indicator of, hey, how's this patient going to do? If I do get them back, are they going to be able to sustain a pulse or what do I need to think about long-term about blood products and everything else as right. far as the system? And, and that's actually true in a medical arrest as well, according to ACLS. If it's less than 10, their outcomes are extremely low. Their, are their, their ability to obtain ROSC is extremely low. Yeah. Um, 
talking a little bit about we've talked about all about capnometry, the the numbers themselves. Talking a little bit about capnography, we use the intel nasal cannulas all the time here, uh, whether it's peds or adults, pretty routinely. Right. Um, works great if you've given somebody some pain medicine. You want to see how the respiratory rate or respiratory drive does with that, or if they're an asthmatic, um, see how bronchoconstricted they are. How am I working on it? You look for that shark fin. Uh, if they got that shark fin waveform, it's considered a a uh, bronchospasm or tr- truly bronchoconstricted. Anything else y'all use that for? No, and and uh, I mean, for what I usually use it for is just that. You know, I look for a good squared off waveform, which is normal. Any type of alterations of that it has something to do with their uh, pulmonary their pulmonary circuit being constricted. Mm-hmm. So if you have a shark fin and you you could actually give them some albuterol and watch them loosen up and you can actually watch that waveform square off and that's it's actually pretty um gratifying watching that because you can you can watch it just happen before your eyes one thing i like about co2 is it's a second to second breath to breath number so whereas a somebody you put somebody on on a saturated sat probe it may take five minutes to change even if they quit breathing but their co2 entire co2 is second to second breath to breath so you know in real time what's going on with that patient so uh, you can, you can, if you're bored, I, and I used to do this on Amos, I would take it and put one of those cannulas in my mouth and just breathe and breathe and breathe, and you can watch it uh, just just drop, you know, and then you can hold your breath and watch it rise. So, again, it's, it's a real-time reflection of your respiratory status and your perfusion. And back to cardiac output, <clears throat> you can measure any kind of cardiac patient, but also a septic patient, you trying to measure their cardiac output and <clears throat> the treatment that you're providing as a good patient to, to monitor their CO2 on. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of trend to see where you're at. If you're, if you're working somebody that's really, really hypotensive or really, really behind the eight ball as far as in shock, you'll see their entitled CO2 be really low. And you get them on a presser two, three, four, five, six, and you get their blood pressure and their map up, you magically see your entitled go up from 20 to 40. Yep. <clears throat> Tells you where you're going, what you're looking for. I tell you something else I love to use it for is if you're if you're if you don't have an A line and you're taking cuff pressures and your blood pressure just say your entitle is on normal range and all of a sudden your entitle drops to say twenty just just pick a number twenty twenty five that tells me their blood pressure has dropped or something has changed with their ventilatory status if I'm not changed anything with their ventilatory status I'm immediately cycling that blood pressure because if I don't if I'm not fortunate enough to have an A line then more than likely their blood pressure has dropped. So uh, just in what I've seen in practice is when you get somebody that has dropped to about 25, 23, their blood pressure has dropped to the 80s. But that's just a, that's what I've seen. That's not a rule, that's not a rule at all. It's just something that I've observed through the years. Like you said, that breath to breath makes a big difference right. in how these. Real time. Yeah. Um, something else, talking about ventilatory status, you can also tell if somebody's coming out from sedation. So if you, RSI somebody or use paralytics to intubate them and initially they're not going to be breathing on their own obviously we took it away from them but to see if they're starting to come out from sedation you start seeing that first couple guppy breaths right you can see it real time on an entitled co2 also tells you hey all right let me draw up my yeah. first for another well, yeah whatever whatever i got available absolutely but something else i'll mention too is if you're if you do have somebody intubated um and your co2 is climbing say it gets greater than 45 if you allow that to keep on rising, then you're going to put your patient in a respiratory acidosis. So bagging them down, and we see this a lot when we go and we'll pick up, you know, from an ambulance or an ER, 
they may be overventilating and we pop a CO2 detector on and they're down in the teens. That means we need to slow down. Mm -hmm. If they're underventilating, their CO2 may be 60 and we need to speed them up. We need to keep it in that normal range to maintain that pH where it should be. And it's a great way if you're trying to use the resources, hey, I've only got a first responder with me or somebody that has never been medically trained. Hey, they can figure out if I bag them a little bit faster, a little bit slower, turn yeah. the monitor to them where they can see it. And it really can teach somebody how to bag real fast. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I can watch them numbers just like everybody and, and, and learn from it for sure. Again, real time. All right, guys. Well, appreciate your time. A little yep. quick thing on end title. That's all I got, and I appreciate it. Thanks.